If you just said this, right? I have to take out Harry Lang and other hundred year candidate. I'd, I, I, <laughs> what you I'm said saying, that. what I'm saying is, I'd have to take out. Okay, I'll take out Conor Whelan then. Conor Whelan I, have to be. That's it. I quit. Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. We're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there, I'm Kathleen McNamee and Karen Duggan is along with me for episode 31 of the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. We're normally up bright and early doing these recordings of a Tuesday, but it is in fact the evening as uh, we'll say that we had some technical difficulties due to the heat that there is at the moment. Anyone <laughs> who is watching this on YouTube will be able to see the sweat dripping down my face at the moment because it is about 39 degrees. <laughs> I feel smug because I'm nine degrees down from that, but... <laughs> <laughs> we're here we're alive and we still have some football and you're on. getting to see some live action football as well over there so no. that is true although it's I was supposed to go to the game last night and I couldn't because every single train was cancelled out of London it was so warm that Fair. you just couldn't go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't realise that so that would have had an effect on the uh, attendances around the place. Yeah, and fans. I, I don't know if it was as bad up north. It likes the match mm-hmm. was in Manchester and think the other one was Rotherham, maybe. So if you're already up that way, it might not have been that bad. But I just know down in London, it was it was pretty bad. And no one was going anywhere. Most of the tubes weren't running either. <laughs> uh, do you think it's affected the games in any way? I think it has. Sometimes with certain teams, you can see like they had the cooling breaks last mm-hmm. night, and you could tell the teams needed them. Like they had, they were wrapping ice towels around themselves, yeah. them and stuff. And I thought some of the teams looked a bit lethargic, and it wasn't just the fact that it was coming to the end of the group stage; it was also that it was so warm. Yeah, I know, it like, can be a momentum like, killer as well because I think actually we're a little bit on the up, and then the water break hit, and it maybe affected their momentum a bit. Yeah, it kind of took them out of their steam a little bit but I think even the fact that like if most of these teams probably play in similar enough heat at different times well not the Iceland's of the world maybe but the Italy's and stuff should be able to cope with it a bit better than I currently am anyways (laughs) (laughs) um do you not get weather like this in Sligo no no, shockingly not. I don't think it ever goes above about 12 degrees in Sligo <laughs> if, we're, if we're lucky, especially by the seaside. <laughs> um, but with the group stages over, it means that we have our quarterfinals in place, which is very exciting. We have England versus Spain, Germany versus Austria, Sweden versus Belgium, and then France versus Netherlands. Some teams in there that people didn't expect to see, but I suppose the best place to start is probably England, Spain as it is the one that's happening tomorrow. Yeah, two teams we definitely did expect to see, but um, maybe we thought that they'd both be the top kind of top seeds going into this, but England have kind of taken over that favourites tag throughout the group stages, and rightly so. I mean, they've been pretty much flawless now. I don't think they've been challenged too much. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how they react to that because they've dominated so much possession over those three games and scored so many goals. It'll be interesting to see how they react when they have to do a bit of defending because they just have not been tested yet. Mm. And do you think they are going to get that test with Spain? Because I suppose the style of football they play, you know, the quick passing, the one-touch football, that will 
prove problematic when it comes to defending, but in terms of actually shots and shots on goal, it hasn't been a strong point of their campaign so far. No, it hasn't been. So it's really just about how they manage the game. If the thing with England as well is that their bench is so strong. So if Spain are spending a lot of time passing the ball around and burning a lot of energy from the England team, they have players who can come off the bench and still make an impact. And they do just have more firepower. Like you're looking at Russo coming on. She could have easily had four goals. She got two in the space of a few minutes. The second goal that she got that turn at the edge of the box is probably one of my favourite goals of the tournaments um, so far. So as much as Spain will have possession, that killer edge that they're lacking, I think might just be the difference because I think that while they will dominate possession for spells, that England just seem to be more clinical and they have more options, I think. Yeah, and you say that about the options, but Beegman has been very strong in this tournament where she's stuck with the same starting mm-hmm. 11. And, you can and she will again. It. Yeah, but you can almost time at like clockwork as well when she's going to make her changes and it tends to be the same people that come on she changed it a little bit for the Northern Ireland game but you know it gets to around 60 minutes and Chloe Kelly and Russo come on White and Hemper whoever it is goes off you know that's happening will that give Spain any help or do you think that like the team is just too strong to I don't think it'll help Spain I don't think Spain will overly think about it because Spain's philosophy and the way they play is that possession football. They're not going to change for England because if they try and bank up and make it into a physical game, that's not going to suit Spain either. So Spain need to play to their strengths as much as possible, which will be keeping the ball in and around midfield, trying denying those quick balls out to the wing that England have been so ruthless um, in. So I think that, yeah, just frustrating those wingers, trying to get them moving away from the wings and, Hopefully, I think it'll be an interesting tactical battle because um, England might have to just change the way they play a little bit, which we haven't seen. Again, it's been very structured, very easy for them. So I'm just in, I still think they have enough in the tank to win this game, but it'll be just interesting to see them challenge for once because we haven't been able to pick out too many flaws in the England team yet. Like, I mean, I'm trying. <laughs> um, no, they've, they've just been brilliant. They've been brilliant to watch and, probably even more exciting than I expected them to be. Well, you probably would have said the Austria game was the first one that... Yeah, to pick I think we've of, kind of but... forgotten about that. I think the yeah. Norway and Northern Ireland games kind of put that to bed as kind of maybe pre-tournament nerves, first game nerves. And also the fact that Austria have now qualified shows that they have more quality than we maybe first gave them credit for. Yeah, no, definitely. They... I think I think the reason everyone forgets about it is not even just the score lines. It's that they answered all the questions that they had to answer. Yeah, the were they clinical and, enough, and did they have goals, yeah. and would that let them down? And it certainly hasn't. So. No, definitely not. I'm pretty sure we probably have a golden boot winner. Do you give somewhere. Spain any hope? Um, I think it's just the fact that they probably won't be able to get a goal is the thing that I think is going to hold them back the most. Yeah, yeah, I do think that they will struggle with that. Um. But I do think it'll be a much tighter game than what we've seen from England in the, in the first two. I don't think they'll have as much freedom. Um, while Spain are a very good footballing team, they're a very intelligent team as well. So they're going to deny the spaces out wide. They're going to make sure that the centre forward is marked from crosses and things like that. So um, I think they'll be more prepared than the other teams. And they just do have a little bit more quality in the 
their first two thirds, but the final third, we know when we've spoken about the players that we're missing, we don't want to keep harping on about it. But unfortunately, it is kind of sticks out like a sore thumb when you see that Spain aren't converting and aren't putting away goals like we expected them to. And we could be enjoying Hermoso and Patelas, which would have been the main thing that would have been the most enjoyable. And the second quarterfinal is Germany and Austria. So the winners of Spain's group and the runners up of England's. Germany have been very strong. I watched them at the weekend um, and they're just so commanding on the ball. They know exactly what they want to do with it. Yeah, thing maybe with their goals that they could be scoring a bit more for the shots or the possession that they have, but I can't see them tripping up with Austria. No, neither can I. They're too good defensively. Everything they do has so much purpose. Um, they've come out and really impressed in this tournament. I think Australia. I think they've had a really good run and they've really enjoyed themselves. And it's been great to see their kind of press conference antics and the scenes after they beat Norway. I mean, it was wonderful to see. It was, again, one of the highlights, just the underdog coming out and the less said about Norway's contribution to this tournament, the better. But it's great to see a team like Austria break through and they'll have their work cut out against them against Germany. I think uh, Zinsberger will be quite busy. Um, But again, if they can frustrate Germany for large parts of the game, I think that's important. Um, I don't think we'll see Austria come out and play too expansively. I think we'll see a similar setup to what they did against England, where they did press early on um, and they tried to put them on the back foot, but then they did get deep and start to deny some space. So, they'll know that the Germans are very strong and um, very powerful. They'll try and slow the game down and just kind of cause as much frustration as possible. But I've been so impressed with the Germans. Um, that Is there anyone in particular on the German team that has stuck out to you as someone who's having a great tournament? Do you know what? I think that they're a real team. I find it hard to kind of pick one person. Um, also, I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with a lot of these players as I am with some of the English players and yeah. It's kind of been a treat to see these players. I'm like, oh, where's she playing? And to be fair, the German league has always been very, very strong, but it seems to be, it maybe was in the shadow of the WSL for a while, but now you're seeing Bayern Munich offering big contracts and people start to leave the WSL and maybe go back to Germany. So it shows that there's massive strength there that we probably don't know about. And maybe because of recent results, we overlook Germany a little bit, but safe to say they've been back with a bang in this tournament. Yeah, it's been nice seeing because like there were so many of the German players. It's good to see Pop back. I like nostalgia and just like what she's given to the game and like that first goal that she scored and the relief after I don't know how long she was out or hadn't scored for it, but it was a a long, long time, time, about 14 months maybe or something like that. So um, you love seeing stories like that because we have been deprived of such good and big players in this tournament because of injuries. Another bad news coming out of the Netherlands today. We see Lika Martins. Um, yeah. Martins. So um, I saw that and I was like, this tournament is fully cursed. Like I don't ever remember watching a tournament where so many big name players. Big names. Yeah. 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 Box you know, like people names. get injuries and they might miss the group stages or they'll miss the semis until the semis, but they generally come back. But for to have what's it now like four or five of gone the biggest for the full tournament, yeah, gone for the full tournament, and also a lot of them gone for possibly a lot of next season, possibly mm. the World Cup. It's just oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, we're lucky there has been some. There's still a lot of quality for us to look forward yeah. to, but um, I think Germany will. I think that this could be one of the the easiest 
quarters that we see. I think that I possibly see almost like three three goals in the difference in this one. Not sure how yeah, do you I feel. Although I did, they played Finland. I was at that game and they mm. won 3-0 and it took them like a, good, a bit like England. It Once they actually got their opening, they looked far more impressive, but it took them quite a while to get it. So I think if Austria can hold them off for as long as possible, add a nil. I think they're probably going to be a different beast when it comes to knockout. They were already through when they played Finland. Yeah, they? So yeah, they were. That is true. I'm not sure we'll but see also, that. We'll live in hope. For, as the neutral, we live in hope. Yeah, but also even... Boss Stecklenberg said after that game, she was talking about it and she said, I think we've settled a lot of the doubts that there were about this team, but also yeah. we could have scored more and we should have done more. So I don't know as well, are they going to go into this game and be like, okay, let's really push it. Let's really show what we Well, can we do. saw when the questions were asked of England, they came out and scored eight the next day. So <laughs> if I was Austria, I wouldn't be saying anything about them not being able yeah. to score. I'd be saying, God, aren't their strikers amazing? <laughs> Bigging them up. And then on Friday, we have Sweden versus Belgium, who amazingly have made it this far. Don't know how they did it. That that group was just bizarre in and Bonkers. of itself. Bonkers. <laughs> um, Iceland and Italy will 100% be, be kicking themselves. Kicking themselves. Be absolutely kicking themselves. I mean, Italy disappointed, we'll say, in the group stages. We, we did expect more out of Italy. Um, you'd have to say that. Iceland had their chance against Belgium to put them mm-hmm. away in that first game. I thought they were the better team. I thought Belgium did well to come back, but I thought Iceland had more. Do you know, I thought they had more to offer. And I think we saw glimpses of that in their really good performance against France in the final group stage when unfortunately it was just too late. Um, so for them to be looking at Belgium after sneaking a 1-0 win over Italy and qualifying, and playing Sweden, who've been the most underwhelming of the top seeds, mm-hmm. you know, the Iceland will definitely be going home with a bit of sour grapes in their mouth for that one. Not taken away from what Belgium did. I mean, they still had to beat Italy. They still did it, which was yeah. incredible. And I just, I watched, because I watched their friendly against England just before the tournament kicked off, and I was so unimpressed. Yeah, um, when I looked at the good two squads, decent scoreline between them, wasn't it? I think England, yeah, uh, it was like three, four, four past them. Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, but like, you look at the players that Italy had, the players that Iceland had, even, and you're like, they should be able to see this team off easily. And they didn't. And Belgium just stuck in. It was not yeah. pretty at all, but they just rooted themselves. That's in. it. I think anyone who was watching that match um, yesterday were kind of just willing it to be over a little bit <laughs> because it just, we've seen some really good quality games and that just wasn't one of them. Belgium won't give one hoot about that. They'll happily turn up on Friday and have an absolute stink affair with Sweden if it meant that they could possibly nick a draw, force it to extra time or anything like that. On the flip side, Sweden, who we had, well, I had criticised definitely coming into the tournament and in the first two games um, for lack of creativity, absolutely spanked Portugal, who were everyone's kind of, I think Lisa Fallon called it her football and crush in the tournament. Um, yeah. Because they well, did give I, a lot to the tournament, Portugal, in terms of flair and just excitement and comebacks and all that. And then Sweden decided not today. Yeah, I feel like I cursed them a bit because I wrote a piece about them the day before. Yeah. Being like, Portugal are everyone's favourites. And, you know, they could snatch something against Sweden because they did this. They, but yeah, and it just didn't happen on the day for them. But I think, like, you could even see that they enjoyed the tournament experience and they enjoyed being there, like, 
any of the matches I went to, there was about three Portugal fans, but like they were so loud. They were yeah. so into it. It was a bit like the Northern Ireland crowd. Like they yeah. actually didn't care that they were getting spanked by England. They were just there having a great time yeah. and supporting their team. And I, I think that was really nice to see. I suppose for smaller nations and like yeah, I think the Belgians will be like that as well against Sweden. Yeah. I think that they'll be enjoying the occasion. Um, Sweden do have the pressure on them, but I mean they should they should well be able to deal with it. The only thing is is that Portugal play an expansive style of football where they are creative. They they were never going to park the bus because they're not physically strong enough to do that. I also don't think Belgium are physically strong enough to do that, but maybe are a little bit stronger and bigger of a side than Portugal. Um, and we've so- seen when teams do bank up against Sweden that they definitely do struggle. So Belgium will have learned a lot. They're definitely not coming out to win. And mm. the first half, they're not going to be coming out saying, oh, we can get one, two nil up. They'll be banking up, trying to get set pieces, trying to hit on the break. Um, so again, might not be a pretty game. Depends on which Sweden turns up, the Sweden who can tear a team apart or the Sweden who really struggles against a team um, that doesn't play uh, their own kind of style of football that does a, does a Republic of Ireland on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally, we have France-Netherlands, which is quite a tasty tie. Probably that and England-Spain are the two that I'm most looking forward it, to. Yeah, it's very tasty because two very good attacking teams two teams who have defensive frailties. So it could be really, really fun. And I've probably jinxed it and that'll be a nil all. Um, But I think France have shown a lot more in this tournament than the Netherlands. Um, yeah, without Niedema, I think they've struggled to kind of get any flow. And it's it's mad to say that of a team that just scored four goals, but mm. three of them were at the end. One was potentially offside, one was unlucky, kind of bounced off the Austrian defender, and one was a goalkeeping mistake. So, yeah, I, I'd be pipping France just based on the fact that their attack does seem to be gelling a little bit better at the moment. Mm. Now, it all changed. I think, I assume Miedema's back. Do we know? Uh, I think so. I think I don't think it's fully confirmed yet. But, but then again, they've lost Lika Martins again. Lika so Martins, it's another yeah. big blow just in terms of experience. And when you get to knockout stages, you do need to call on those kind of big players to step up. We saw Van der Donk did it when they needed that goal in, in the group stages. Um so that'll be a, a big blow to them. France have had to deal with their own blows as well in the tournament. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think like with losing Marie Antoinette Cototo, like France got that 1-1 draw against Iceland, realistically, they probably should have scored a few more. I know they did make some changes. Yeah. The effort swapped things up a bit and kind of brought in some younger players. So it could have yeah. just been a case of we're qualified and I want to give No, I think, I think I think she was right to change it up. Um, obviously, it gave Iceland a bit of, a, a bit of hope, but they'll come into this a lot fresher than the Netherlands will um, having had the COVID blows and having had injury blows and things like that. It'll feel a little bit more mentally draining for Netherlands. They might physically feel okay, but it is, has kind of been one thing after the other with them. Whereas um, France have had, I suppose, one major injury, but other than that, they've, they've had an, an okay run into it. So um, I'd be pipping France to get through that one. 
Mm. I think we have to give a special shout out as well to Daphne Van Domsler for what she's done since oh, she came in taking amazing. over from being in Dell. Like one senior cap before this tournament has had to start every match since. And how been, like, the tournament and she's been called upon massively. That game against Switzerland, they were Switzerland were so good. Yeah. Like they were so they were dangerous good. on the break and some of those saves point blank, her reactions getting back up for the double save. Um She's shown maturity beyond her years and beyond her experience, definitely. And would I be surprised if she kept that number one spot after this? Absolutely not. I think she's going for the future. I, I think she's shown, I would have been a little bit nervous possibly of mm. their number one before, but I feel like she hasn't put a foot wrong. Well, I feel like Zari has always had that, she, with being the captain and the legend around her, there was that certainty, but she's definitely lost it a little Very bit. Very hard to drop a player who has that. Yeah. So you don't want to say it's a blessing, but there's certainly, that's not the biggest blow they've had to no. take in this tournament by no. far, considering what Van Damsler has done. Like, I think everyone's kind of talking about her. It's it's brilliant to see and fair play to her. And I think that we'll see her getting big moves in the future. Yeah. Definitely. Clubs coming German and WSL clubs will definitely come knocking. Imagine investing in a player who's only that age now and a keeper. You could potentially have her for 10, 12 years. Um, Yeah, it's frightening to think the level she could go to. So she could be busy again against France. But again, do we ever know what France are going to do? Never. (laughs) It's a theme of the podcast. Never do we know. (laughs) And on that, we will leave it for today. But we will be back on Friday morning to check in as we reach the halfway point of the quarters. The Quigig Pod and OTB Sports is in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We'll see you all next, later in the week. The Quigig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.